book lover. I am so glad you are here listening to my award-winning podcast, Thoughts from a Page, which is a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. This show is a passion project for me, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoy making it. I only interview authors whose books I have read and enjoyed, so if I am chatting with an author on the main show, it means that I really liked their book and feel comfortable recommending it to you. With so many books coming out weekly, it can be hard to decide what to read, so I work hard to find the best ones and share them with you. For more book recommendations and to find my backlist of interviews, visit my website at thoughtsfromapage.com. Are you looking for an engaging book community with unique bonus content? If so, I hope you will consider joining my Patreon community, which is filled with a wonderful group of readers. I offer three levels, page turners, lit lovers, and royal readers. And each level provides all sorts of cool bonus book content that you will not find elsewhere. If you're interested or want more information, the link to join is in my show notes. Today, Tracy Lang returns to chat with me about the Connollys of County Down. Tracy was born and raised in New York City. She graduated from the University of New Mexico with a degree in psychology before owning and operating a behavioral healthcare company with her husband for 15 years. While writing her debut novel, We Are the Brennans, she completed the Stanford University online novel writing program. She lives in Bend, Oregon with her husband, two sons, and beloved German Shepherd. I hope you enjoy our conversation. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Welcome, Tracy. I am so glad you're back to chat with me this time about the Connollys of County Down. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I absolutely loved this book. I just cherished every single page. I thought it was phenomenal. So I cannot wait to talk about it. Oh, thank you so much. I can't tell you how much that means to hear. Well, before we dive into my questions, would you give me a quick synopsis for those that haven't read it yet? Sure. So uh, when the book opens, we meet Tara. And she is a 30-year-old woman who is that very morning being released from prison. Um, She's served a year and a half on a drug charge. And we kind of uh, walk through her discharge process with her as she prepares to head home with no job and no money and no uh, real plan and and try to rebuild her life uh, kind of from scratch. And at the same time, reenter her family. Uh, she goes home to live with um, siblings who are kind of supporting her initially. And, and of course, they have their own struggles and issues they're going through. So 
her homecoming kind of disrupts some things and is happy that, as they are to have her back. They have some stuff to work through together. They had resolved their own way of living together. And so when she comes back, it disrupts them and everybody has to try to figure out how the three of them will live together. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's like in every family, people have their various roles. And when she left, things changed. And now she's back and it kind of brings some issues to the surface for everybody. As Again, as close as they are, as happy as they are to have her home, uh, there's no getting around that um, it's a little disruptive. Well, and as you mentioned, that's always the case. Whoever's around gets into their own routine. And when somebody new comes in, it just means there's something different that has to be figured out. Absolutely. Yes. How did you come up with the idea or the ideas for this one? This one really just started with the very basic notion of someone leaving prison and the obstacles that they would be facing after that, you know, in terms of trying to find a job with a record and having a parole officer and what you tell people, what you share with new people. Do you tell them the truth? Do you hide it? Even though people in town are going to know, you know, where you were, that kind of those kinds of questions and challenges. And then again, coming home and being uh, dependent upon your family. And as, as great that it is that that she has these people to lean on, she's she lacks any independence, financial independence. And so lots of struggles just started to come to the surface when I thought of that scenario. And that's where it all started, though, just that basic idea of someone coming home and having to reenter the family and, and start their lives over again after leaving prison. Well, that's so interesting that you mentioned the prison, because as I started reading your book, that was one of my first thoughts was, I'm not sure I've read very many books that start out with somebody getting out of prison. Yeah, yeah, I, I hadn't either. And it, it's just so interesting to me. And I, I did work in the mental health field for 20 years with people, juveniles and adults who came out of prison or jail, and had to kind of readjust. And, and so I hadn't read anything like it. And I just thought it'd be a great place to start for her. It definitely was because it made it a unique story, and certainly made it very thought provoking. A lot of things I had not thought about before, I really had to think about in respect to what Tara was going through. Good. That's what I was hoping for to kind of take people through that journey. Yeah, of, of someone that's coming out of prison and has to uh, start all over again. Absolutely. And then much like in We Are the Brennans, you focus on family dynamics again. So this is clearly something that is important to you or something that you like to dive into when you're writing. Yes, it is. I love to read about it and I definitely love to write about it. And I think some of that comes from um, coming from a big, wonderful, messy family of my own. Um, but again, working in the mental health field for so long with families from all over, you know, all walks of life, dealing with all sorts of issues. I've just always been kind of a studier of that, those those relationships and just human nature, I guess, in, in general. Um, so all of that certainly fuels uh, my stories. Well, and I think family dynamics fuel our lives. These are the people that you are born into. You have no choice. And they, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, that is yeah. the truth. And that factors into the rest of your life, whether you want to believe it or not. So it's certainly interesting to think about it, to read about it, in your case, to write about it. Yeah, yeah. They're the people that even in the worst circumstance where perhaps you people are, may not be in touch with certain family members anymore for various reasons, in some ways, there's still those people that know you so well. And so it's, it's fascinating to me, those dynamics uh, in any kind of family. And every family has such a unique story, whatever it is. So I love to dive into that. 
I agree. I think it's really interesting to unpack those things. Yeah. Well, tell me more about your research. Well, for this, there was a definitely research into, and again, I drew a lot on my past experience, but that was a little while ago. I like to make sure I'm kind of up on uh, the newest information. And I, I did read um, lots of accounts of women in particular coming out of prison and the challenges they face. But then I also, you know, as far as her siblings, her brother and her sister and the things they're struggling with, um, again, drew on some experience there, but also read a bit about her, her brother, for instance, is struggling with ongoing effects from a traumatic brain injury. Um, and so I kind of went down that rabbit hole for a while and learned a lot about that. So I guess that's probably the bulk of the research is what these issues that these siblings are struggling with um, would probably be the most research that I did. And what about Tara's job that she finds working with the gamers and what that's like in the gaming world and her illustrations and graphics? Yeah, that was that was really uh, definitely another area of research for me. I was lucky, though, because I have two boys who do game and they follow YouTubers and they know that world pretty well. So I could ask them all my questions and it was a great way to draw them into the experience a little bit too. But I I like that idea for her that she does find kind of a bright spot fairly early on, some potential working with these gamers because art has been important to her. It's kind of what helped her get through um, prison. And so this is, um, even though this job is a little iffy, working with gamers and who long, who knows how long that might last, that kind of thing, it was a, it's a nice bright spot for her where she gets to use her art every day. My son is a gamer too. And I remember <laughs> when he first started watching all these YouTubers and telling me this stuff about people streaming all day long as they played a game. And I'm like, they do what? Like, I was just trying to understand it, that this there's this whole world and conferences and all of it. It's it's kind of crazy, but it's a huge thing. Yeah, it's, it, it really is. And I knew very little about it. We would talk about it. But when I um, kind of got the idea for this, I, I sit them down and say, OK, what would this look like? And who, you know, here's the age tar- age group I'm targeting. And um, of course, they wanted to get very, very in the weeds with it. And I would say, well, I can't get into so much detail. <laughs> but... <laughs> Like, mom, you got to get it right. My readers are like, okay, this is way too much detail about this gaming. <laughs> right. So I kind of had to like back out a little bit. But again, it was so fun for me to be able to, you know, sit them down and spend that time talking about that stuff. So absolutely. And I actually loved that part of the story. And I loved those gamers. They were so cute. Yeah. Yeah. They were favorite, favorite characters for me, too. So let's talk about following up We Are the Brennans. It was such a popular book. Was it difficult to sit down and write this one and then worry about it heading out into the world? I have to say, because I loved We Are the Brennans so much, I was a little anxious to read this one, but I loved it even more than I loved We Are the Brennans. And I loved We Are the Brennans. Oh, that's so kind. Thank you. Yeah, I've definitely seen people that prefer Brennans and some people prefer this one. So that's always interesting to hear. But so luckily, I had started this one uh, quite a while before Brennan's came out. And I think that that's super important when I have writers kind of ask for any tips. That's one I, I try to put forth a lot is be working on the next project. That's That will help you stay kind of sane. So that helped that I was well into Connolly's when Brennan's came out. But I will say that even as I was getting the surreal news... <laughs> At the time that Brennan's, you know, it hit the bestseller list and was doing so well out of the gate, 
I almost immediately kind of had a little warning bell go off in my mind, like, okay, <laughs> what's this going to mean for book two, you know, and how do you, how do you live up to that? And all of those questions, uh, just like you said, you were anxious to maybe pick it up and you want to be disappointed. I had those same thoughts. So I just, you know, whatever I'm working on in the moment, I'm so invested in, and I just tried to stay focused on that and keep going. And um, by the time Connelly's came out, I, you know, now I'm well into the next one. So that I think helps quite a bit in terms of not running all sorts of expectations on yourself. Well, it just must be so nerve wracking. And I was wondering how that worked for you. I loved that Celadon did the buddy read for this one. I had so much fun with that. I ended up in a group with somebody that I knew and two people I didn't. And so we got to know each other and talked about the book. Was it fun to be the author on the other side of that? It really was. That was so much work for them. And I was so appreciative. And it was such a great response. It was so fun getting on every day and just I would catch people's thoughts on Instagram or and then of course we did the um the author, the a virtual event, which was wonderful. So yeah, I I, I think that's such a great Celadon is tied into the Bookstagram community so well and Little Free Library community and they've been great about getting the word out early. But that was that was a great experience and such a it was, you know, as you wait for publication day, you're nervous and all of these doubts set in. And so that really helped. That was a really nice, really nice thing they did. Celadon is so innovative. You mentioned the Little Free Library Drops. So they will have people sign up if they want to participate in Little Free Library Drops. I always do that because I have one of my own in my front yard. And mm. you get the book and then you put it and you post about it. But what they did for you, and I'm pretty sure it was the first time they did it, at least it was the first time I'd seen them do it. They had people sign up and they put us in groups of four. And then we all discussed the book ahead of time and posted about it and chatted about it and then could participate in this event with you, all of this pre-publication. It was so much fun. And I loved seeing all the different posts about it and seeing what people had to say. I thought it was great. It was a very fun idea. And they're doing another one with Mercury for Amy Jo Burns, whose book comes out in January. Yes. Yes. Fantastic book, by the way. Yes, they had tried it one. They had done it once before with Beyond That to see Laura Spence Ashby's book, and they kind of kept it small and had such a great response that they said, "Okay, well, we're going to go bigger this time." And they had uh, hundreds of people participate. So, yeah, it was fantastic experience. Oh, that's great. Well, I did not participate for Beyond That to See, but I did read that book and loved it, and I was so excited to participate this one and with the next one. And that's good to hear that her book is good. I didn't read her last book, but I'm really looking forward to this one. Yes. Yes. What surprised you the most when writing The Connellys of County Down? I think it was, I, I was fairly far into it when I realized what was kind of a central like a theme for me, what, whatever you want to call it, was this idea that, you know, Tara is definitely the person in the family that on paper <laughs> looks the worst. You know, she's, she actually has a, a little record before the drug charge. She's um, kind of got a history of getting a little bit of trouble. And so from the outside, you know, she'd kind of be the one you might point your finger to and, and say, yeah, she's the troublesome one. <laughs> However, I, I think, you know, what became clear to me was just that she was such a, a symptom of the general dysfunction in the family. Just everybody's got their own way of dealing with it and, and trying to get through it. And hers was a little more out there in some ways or in your face. But that was one thing that kind of came out a little bit later for me. Looking back, it's like, you know, you, how did I not see that from the get go? But it's one of those things after you write a draft where, you know, you learn so much about your story. 
That's so interesting because I feel like she has the most heart of all three of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I like all three of them and they each serve their own purpose in the family and have their own personality, but I just loved her. Yeah. Yeah, I I did too. And I, uh, and there's definitely part of me that related to that. I, you know, when I was growing up, my parents divorced and we had our old messy family drama going on at the time. And I was kind of the um, act outer (laughs) and which kind of makes you feel like maybe you were the black sheep there for a while. But once you get some perspective, you know, I know everyone in my family was struggling in their own way. I was just a little more kind of out with it, whereas some people act in sometimes. So that's where I felt like I really connected with her. Did you find her the easiest to write of the three? No, no. She probably took the most work as far as in in my revision process, as far as really making sure I was getting at her motivation. Often that, at least for me, that's the case with the main protagonist. I write multiple point of view stories. So I really try to dig deep into all of those point of view characters, but she was kind of the main protagonist. And so it did take a little bit more work to make sure I was really getting her down the way I wanted her to come across. So yeah, she was probably one of the harder ones to write uh, just because I put the most time I would say into her. Who did you find to be the easiest? Well, the secondary characters are always fun and and kind of easy for me. So the the gamers, Gordian Lance, and then her nephew Connor was just a bright spot for me in that story. Those those guys were great. As far as of the main sort of point of view characters, I think Eddie kind of came the easiest to me. I felt like I landed on him pretty early on, his voice and how he operated. So yeah, I would say he probably took was um, the easiest of the four. That makes sense. And you mentioned Connor. I loved all of Connor's jokes. <laughs> I get a lot of a lot of that. Yeah, people love Connor's jokes. They wonder where I got them. And honestly, some are from one was from a, a teacher that I know, and and I found one or two online. And I just as soon as I would spot one, I say, oh yeah, that's a Connor joke. So <laughs> I had a list of them going. That had to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And it just felt like such a, you know, there's a lot of heavy stuff and these guys are dealing with a lot. So it's nice to to put in those little fun moments for them. There's so much interconnectedness in this story, and I don't want to have any spoilers. But as I was reading it again this morning, reviewing before we chatted, I was realizing how much interconnectedness there is. Did it start out that way? Or as you kept workshopping it and working on it, did that become more and more interwoven? How was that for you? You know, when you start, once I have that very basic idea of, okay, someone's coming home from prison, I dive into characters for a long time. And I think about them, I write about them, I I, spend just a lot of time developing them in my mind and living with them. I mean, honestly, for up to, you know, nine months, or even maybe a year, sometimes before I actually start writing it. And so once you get to know the characters so well, they kind of, in some ways, tell me the story to some degree. And those little connections, certainly at each draft, I could find more of those little connections to go back in and plant earlier or make sure those threads are running throughout. So I don't know that I could ever plan all those connections out front and and have it in their first draft. But I think with each draft, you find those connections and you can lean into them. It's one of the joys for me of those later drafts. Well, I think it's how the real world works. Don't you think you you learn about something new and then all of a sudden you see it everywhere? You meet somebody new and then you realize they know 10 other people that you know. I just think that it is how we live. And so it's interesting and fun when you find that in a book. Yeah, 
Definitely. Definitely. And I, that's why I included a reference to Brennan's, I, you know, that idea that it is kind of a small world. And I, I like that idea, just what you're talking about that, you know, you see something and, and you think about it and then later it comes back to you in some way and on a deeper level. Exactly. Well, now that the book has been out for a little bit, is it interesting to hear what readers focus on when you go to events and you're talking about the book? Are they asking you about things that you expected them to ask about? Are people fixated on different things than you thought they might be? What is that process like for you? I definitely have a lot of people react in interesting ways to the oldest sister, Geraldine. So that's always fun to get people's take. <laughs> she she was not an easy character to write uh, either. Um, one of those characters that people may not necessarily um, want to be best friends with, but, <laughs> but, but can understand, hopefully, to some degree. So um, it's always interesting to hear what people um, think about Geraldine. And people love Connor. Some of it I expected. And then I do have people that focus a little bit more on um, Brian Nolan, like the, the character, the police officer in the, in the story and his role and what that means for Tara and the idea of power imbalance, that kind of thing. So that's always a really interesting conversation to get into with people, their thoughts on that whole, their dynamic. Definitely. Because that is something I was thinking about this morning as well, that it's an interesting way they met and then everything that unfolds for them. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, people are just interested to kind of dive into that and the good and the bad of all of that. So that's also super interesting. Any any of that is, as the person who wrote the book, is just so fun to hear people talking about those things and their different opinions. Absolutely. Well, what about your beautiful cover and the title? Let's talk about those. Well, the cover is stunning. I, and I wish I could take any credit. That is Saladon, just like the first book. And I absolutely loved it. It was to me so perfect because there is a storyline, an important storyline um, that has to do with fairy tales that uh, these siblings, their their mom died when they were fairly young. But one thing she kind of left them with, one of her, I guess a part of her legacy was were these fairy tales, including one that she made up about them. And that's where the title comes from, the Connellys of County Down. And to me, uh, the cover is a perfect representation. There's, it's pretty... I mean, it's beautiful flowers, but then there's kind of some darkness, just like fairy tales, really. But as far as what the title means, County Down is uh, where their mother uh, was born in Ireland. And so that's where that fairy tale comes from. I loved the fairy tale aspect of your story as well and thought that was so clever. And again, with no spoilers, how all of that plays out eventually. I just loved it. It gave me chills when I reviewed it again this morning. Oh, good. Yeah, that's that's so nice to hear. That definitely came out more and more with each revision for me was the importance of those fairy tales, that one in particular, and how much it meant. And so that's great to hear. And what it meant. Yes. I love that. Well, Tracy, when we're done with this conversation, we're going to have a spoiler-filled conversation for my Patreon group. But before we do that, I want to hear what you recommend, what you've read lately that you want to tell everyone else to read. Sure. I, I've got a few. The first one I'll mention is was fantastic. I read it earlier this year. It's Trespasses by Louise Kennedy. And it's a wonderful story, but it's also, if anyone has any interest in learning a little bit more about the troubles in Northern Ireland and that whole period of time, the history there, it's a fantastic novel that's just chock full of all that information. So um, that's a great one. Earlier this year, and I think it's been out for probably about a year now, I did read Signal Fires by Danny Shapiro. 
and talk about diving into family secrets and the repercussions of those was to me, it was a phenomenal book. I loved it. Another one is Unlikely Animals by Annie Hartnett, which was such a surprise. I was so glad I kind of stumbled across it. Um, Again, all about family, one of a kind characters, kind of a laughing through tears book, really. And the last one I was going to mention, you actually did mention, and it is early, but Mercury by Amy Jo Burns, which will be out in January. Fantastic book. I don't think it gets any better than this when it comes to family um, and what it means to be family. So I know it's early, but I would definitely put it on your list. I think people always love learning about the early reads and knowing that they're upcoming. And I cannot wait to read that one. And I loved Trespasses. I thought it was just phenomenal. And it taught me so much about the troubles. And I also just really loved the story. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's why I recommended it. I mean, even, you know, if you're, it's a bonus if you have any interest in that um, whole time period and what happened over there. But yeah, it's a fantastic story in itself. Have you read the nonfiction book, There Will Be Fire by Rory Carroll? I have not. It is about Margaret Thatcher's near assassination attempt. It's like 1984, 1986. And he does a wonderful job in the first half of the book, kind of laying out briefly, but comprehensively the lead up to the troubles and kind of how everything unfolded and then the attempt on her life. And then the second half is how the crime was solved. It's literally a page turner. It reads like a thriller, but it's nonfiction. It came out in April, I think. That's great. I've already written it down. I, I read so much about Northern Ireland. That's where my dad came from. And I have lots of family there still. So I read fiction, nonfiction. I kind of read whatever I can get my hands on. So I will definitely check that out. Then you will really enjoy that because he does have a very balanced portrayal of it. He interviewed so many different people. And like I said, it is a page turner, even though it's nonfiction. It reads just so quickly. Great. Good. Well, thank you for coming back on the Thoughts from a Page podcast, Tracy. I always enjoy chatting with you. Yes. Thank you so much. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes. And luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I would love to connect with you on Instagram or Facebook, where you can find me at Thoughts from a Page. If you enjoy the show, please consider joining my Patreon group to access bonus content and support the podcast. If you have a moment to rate the show or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts, I would really appreciate it. It makes a big difference. And please tell all of your friends about Thoughts from a Page. Word of mouth does wonders to help the show grow. The book discussed in this episode can be purchased at my bookshop storefront, and the link is in the show notes. I hope you'll tune in next time. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.